Well, hey, Kensington, welcome to Kensington Online. We're so glad to have you back with us. Uh, we want to begin the day with a couple of announcements, have a couple things just want to share with you that are happening. Coming up, um, we have a new semester of life groups happening. And if you have never been in a life group, it's a gathering um, of 8 to 10 to 12 people that just study God's word and get to know one another. And we're doing them on Zoom, but also maybe in person. Your group will be meeting in person. They begin this next semester, four-week semester, begins June 28th. We would love for you to be a part of it. The easiest way to jump in and get connected and try something new spiritually um, would be to text the number on the screen that's there right now and text the word groups to that number and we will get you connected. And secondly, we made an announcement this last week. Um, we are uh, entering into um, phase two of our reopening, and that is opening up our offices coming up on June 15th for meetings and for office hours. And um, also, we are tentatively planning on getting back to in-person services on July 12th. Uh, we're working with Windermere Prep. We're working on kind of how we're going to do that to make it safe for you and safe for everybody involved. And hopefully, hopefully, we will see you on July 12th in person. Um, so before we move on with the service, we need to take a moment and acknowledge what is happening around our country with the protests and the racial unrest right now. And as I've read the news and have seen what's happening, um, it's been hard to know uh, what the right thing to do is, even what the right thing to say is. But I'll say this, it is heartbreaking that this is where we're at. And um, I think it breaks God's heart to see people mistreated and uh, be judged, um, and it should break our hearts too. And as we talked last week, the highest calling of any follower of Christ is to love God and to love others like we love ourselves. And, and it doesn't matter who those one another's are. It doesn't matter what color, what background, what socioeconomic level they're at, where they live. The calling to all of us is to love one another. And so what do we do in response? We do what love demands that we do. We serve, we love, we reach out, we hope, we pray, we bring peace, we speak with gentleness, we be Jesus to those around us. That's how we respond. And I'll just say this, what happened to George Floyd should never have happened. What's happening right now around our country with the violence and the looting um, shouldn't be happening either. And so what we can do as followers of Jesus is we can pray and we can let love lead and guide our response to the people around us. Love needs to lead the way in any response we have. So I want to pray for us because I really believe this is a moment where we need God's hand on our country. We need God's hand on our lives and we need him to lead the way. So would you pray with me? Would you bow your head and close your eyes and, and let's go to Jesus um, during this really difficult time in our country. Father, you know exactly what's happening right now. You know the difficulties and the struggles of our history, of mankind's history. You know the hurt and the anger and the unrest and the lack of peace. And Lord, I just pray that in your incredible ability to bring peace, that you would bring peace to our country, that you would bring peace to those who are hurting, that you would bring love to those who are feeling unloved and unwanted. And Lord, I pray that your people would rise up and that we would stand up 
and love those around us with your kind of love, love that is unconditional, love that is full, love that is heartfelt. Lord, give us opportunities to mend um, broken bones and heal wounds and um, speak into some of the struggles that, that our country, that our cities, that our um, neighborhoods are having. And Lord, help us to be leaders in being you to the people around us. And God, we know that if we do that, if we let love lead the way, Lord, that you can do amazing things, you can do miraculous things. And I pray that our country, our leaders, our government officials, our church leaders, the elders in our churches, Lord, I pray that you would give us wisdom and discernment to lead the way to a new tomorrow. In your holy name, amen. Well, we are starting a new series today called Binge Watch, and this will carry us through the next couple of months. And I don't know about you, but during this whole coronavirus break, I have been doing some binge watching. I'm sure you have too. Me and my boys, we watched all five seasons of Friday Night Lights. Um, I'm currently watching Stargate Atlantis, and yes, I am a sci-fi nerd, um, and I'm loving that. Um, chances are you've binge-watched something in the last couple of months, uh, maybe in the last couple of years, but what I love about binge-watching is when the episode that you're done watching ends, you get to watch the next one. You don't have to wait. You can do it for hours at a time. You can do it for days at a time, and I'm just saying, for those of you that remember, do you remember back in the day when we had to wait a week for the next episode to come out, and we had to be at the TV when the episode came on just to catch it. Um, but now you've got Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime and, and Disney Plus. Um, no more do you have to wait. You can stay up as long as you want. You can watch an episode for breakfast. You can watch an episode for lunch. You can watch three episodes for dinner. You can watch it whenever you want. You can watch the entire thing. And I tell you, I love it when I find a good series. That's also why I love the Bible. We get to read so many incredible stories and read about incredible people who trusted God and experienced amazing things from beginning to end. And we don't have to wait for the next week to catch the next episode to find out what happened. Um, we actually get to read it from beginning to end. We can read them at our own pace and learn a ton, which is where we're going with this series. We are going to be binge watching the lives of two of the great leaders in the Bible, Joshua and Nehemiah. We're going to watch four episodes of each one, starting today with the life of Joshua, episode one, The Apprentice. Episode two will be The Scout, episode three, The Rookie, and episode four, The General. And maybe you don't know much about Joshua, but he actually becomes one of the great leaders in the history of Israel right after Moses, and we're going to start learning how he became that today. Now, if you were asking me who I would cast for this role of Joshua in episode one, I was actually between a number of actors. Um, the first person I thought of was Tom Cruise, like young Tom Cruise, Top Gun Tom Cruise. Um, but my wife really doesn't like um, Top Gun. 
She loves Top Gun. She doesn't like Tom Cruise very much for some reason. I don't know. Um, then I was kicking around uh, young Sean Connery because I like the accent, right? The accent is awesome. Um, then I was thinking of Michael B. Jordan um, of Friday Night Lights era when he was young because I just really liked his character in that series. But here is who I settled on. Um, my pick for the role of Joshua in this episode is actually Keanu Reeves, young Keanu Reeves um, of the Matrix genre. That is who I picked. And here's the deal. If you don't like my choice, Feel free to stop this at any time during the service and just let the people you're with know who you would cast in this role as you hear more of the story. So let's dive in. To get to the story of Joshua, you actually have to go to the to get, go to some background story, as most good TV shows and, and movies do. Um, and it begins with the story of Abraham and Sarah. Uh, we talked about them a few weeks ago where God promised Abraham he would become the father of, of a countless number of people and he would become a blessing to the world. Um, Abraham and Sarah at the age of like 190, um, they have a son. And I know way past grandma, grandpa age there, um, but they have Isaac. And from Isaac, you fast forward five generations to get to Joshua. Isaac has Jacob, who has Levi, who has Kohath, who has Amram, which leads to Moses. And we all know who Moses was, Charlton Heston. That's who Moses was. I'm just kidding. Um, but many of you, you've known and you've heard the story of Moses. After the Israelites spend 400 years in slavery in Egypt, God speaks to Moses through a burning bush and commissions him to lead the people of Israel out of slavery and into freedom. God had promised to lead all 2 million plus Israelites to a land flowing with milk and honey, and they would own the land. They would have their own resources. They would be their own nation, not slaves to anyone. This was a huge promise. And he was giving this promise to people who had only known slavery. This was a big deal. And God was doing miraculous things to get them there. It was an exciting time to be an Israelite. And it was also a scary time for the Israelites. They had the plagues that came upon Egypt while Pharaoh was unwilling to like, let my people go, you know, and Moses declared in Exodus, um, you know, in chapters eight through 12, Moses kept saying, let my people go. And Pharaoh would say, okay, and then call, call, call them back. And uh, these plagues started up. They escaped Egypt um, through the parting of the Red Sea in Exodus chapter 14, chapter 15, they sing about their amazing deliverance. Chapter 16, they get hungry and thirsty in the desert, and they keep wishing that they were back in slavery because they had water and food. And God is like, seriously, what do I have to do to get you people to realize that I'm going to take care of your needs at all times? Well, they had been traveling for a month. They start complaining, and God provides manna every morning for them, this bread material on the ground. And then in the evening, quail dive bomb into their camp <clears throat> to their deaths so that they have meat in the evenings. Now, we get all the way through 16 chapters of Exodus. We still haven't met Joshua. But in Exodus chapter 17, the Israelites are attacked by the Amalekites and we meet Joshua for the first time in Exodus 17 verse 8. And let me read to you about it. And here comes Joshua. While the people of Israel were still, Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed up to the top of the nearby hill. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. 
Moses' arms soon became so tired he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands, so his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. After the victory, the Lord instructed Moses, write this down on a scroll as a permanent reminder and read it aloud to Joshua. I will erase the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Now, you can already see that there's something special about Joshua. The Lord instructed Moses, write this down as a permanent reminder and specifically read it out loud so Joshua can hear it. He needs to hear this. Now, what's interesting is we don't hear about Joshua again for six chapters until we find out what he had been doing since then. Moses is going up to Mount Sinai where God is going to personally write the Ten Commandments on two tablets of stone. God had already said that if anyone steps foot on the mountain while God is there, that they will die. But yet we see here that Moses doesn't go up on the mountaintop alone. Exodus 24, 12, and 13 says this. Then the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain, stay there, and I will give you the tablets of stone on which I have inscribed the instructions and commands so you can teach the people. So Moses and his assistant, Joshua. His assistant, Joshua, set out. And Moses climbed to the mountain of God. What you find is Joshua had become Moses' assistant. He gets a ringside seat up on the mountain with Moses when God gave him the Ten Commandments on the stone tablets. That had to be incredible. Moses and Joshua are gone for 40 days during which the people take all of their golden jewelry and they make themselves a golden calf to worship for saving them. And so, of course, Moses comes down off the mountain. He is so enraged, he takes the two tablets. He throws them to the ground. They break into pieces. He destroys the golden calf. And then he goes back up to plead for their lives, asking God to forgive them for worshiping an idol instead of God who had just saved them from Egypt. Well, God does forgive them, and then as they travel to the promised land, Moses actually fashions a tent called the Tent of Meeting, where he would go and meet with God. And it's here that we find something that reveals why Joshua becomes one of the great leaders of history. Exodus 33, 7. It was Moses' practice to take the Tent of Meeting and set it up some distance from the camp. Everyone who wanted to make a request of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people would get up and stand in the entrances of their own tents. They would all watch Moses until he disappeared inside. As he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover at its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. And when the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they would stand and bow in front of their own tense. Now, this was impressive. It was an incredible occurrence. All 2.4 million people would stop what they were doing, stand outside their tent, watch in silence as Moses would walk into the tent to meet with God. And when he did, a pillar of cloud would descend on the tent and Moses would meet with God. But what we find out yet again is Moses didn't go in alone. We find in verse 11, we find that inside the tent of meeting, 
the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. How incredible is that? And then afterward, Moses would return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. Joshua was with Moses when he would talk with God as one would speak to a friend. And then Joshua possibly would get the opportunity to speak to God as well because he would stay along after Moses left. Joshua would stay behind and potentially spend time with God as well. Well, Moses eventually goes back up on the mountain and God rewrote the Ten Commandments on two stone tablets. God also gave Moses instructions on the temple they were to build. Um, he gave him instructions for the, for the priests on how to perform sacrifices for offerings to pay for sin. Gave him instructions on how to be clean before the Lord. Moses then leads and directs all the craftsmen, craftsmen for making a temple for the Lord a temple that he would dwell in and uh, that was portable. So as they traveled um, to the promised land, they could set up the temple, which was a massive tent, unbelievably ornate, um, all kind of fixtures and altars and such, um, so that they would pour, you know, move it and then set it back up. You see, us being a portable church, we're just getting back to our roots. Um, hopefully it won't be a portable church for much longer. Um, but I'll just, I'll just tell you, uh, we have some roots there with the Israelites of this setting up and tearing down stuff every weekend. But here's the thing, throughout all of this, we find Joshua walking through all of these amazing things right beside Moses as his assistant. Joshua is, got to go where really no one else but Moses was able to go. He got to be there in the relationship that Moses had with God. Joshua shared in that, in the leadership that was required to manage the millions of Israelites and their difficulties and struggles. Joshua had a ringside seat. In the management that it took, to build the temple and deploy the thousands of workers to create every detail of the temple that God had instructed Moses to build, Joshua was there assisting Moses, growing in his understanding and in his abilities. When you look at it, what we're going to learn over the next few weeks about Joshua's life was how he was one of only two people that God trusted to lead the Israelites into the promised land. We're going to find out how Joshua was anointed by God and took over for Moses and led them through the Jordan River and into the promised land. And then Joshua becomes one of the greatest generals Israel had known as they overtook the land that God had promised to give them. He ends up writing the sixth book of the Bible following the five books that Moses wrote. And when you look at the whole of his life, and you see the impact that he had, not just on the Israelites, but the ripple effect that he has had all the way to today as far as teaching and leading and being an example, being an example to people of faith, to what it looks like to be a person of faith. It all points back to the fact that he was able to have someone show him the way. And that was Moses. Moses, for decades, poured into Joshua. Joshua was an assistant. He was an apprentice to someone that was further along than himself as a man, as a leader, and as a follower of God. How was Joshua able to accomplish so much? Because Joshua had Moses, a mentor, a leader, a godly man, someone that was ahead of him, showing him how to lead, showing him how to listen to God, showing him how to handle difficult situations, showing him how to be firm when he needed to be and gentle when it was required. He had Moses pouring into him, teaching him how to become who Joshua became. And you see this even through to today. 
And maybe you didn't know some of these mentoring relationships, but you know Steve Jobs mentored Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook? A woman named Maya Angelou mentored Oprah Winfrey. Father Michael Vanderpeet mentored Mother Teresa. Warren Buffett mentored Bill Gates. Steven Spielberg actually mentored J.J. Abrams. Gandhi mentored Nelson Mandela. Professor Dumbledore mentored Harry Potter. I see it in my own life. In my life, there's a long list of mentors. It's Tommy Tucker, starting when I was in high school. Donnie Anthony, Dave Nelson, Dave Wilson, Steve Andrews, Mark Nelson, Chip Rasher, Kevin Winningham, Kevin McKenna, Dan Bergstrom, Brad Powell, Kyle Neighbors, Greg Gibbs, Bill Malott. I could go on. In Scripture, Jesus mentored his 12 disciples. Paul mentored Timothy. Elisha mentored King Jehoash. Moses mentored Joshua which gets me to you and I, and really the point of today. If you and I are ever going to get to become all that God wants us to become and all that he plans for us to be, if you're going to fulfill the mission and the purpose of why God put you on this earth, what you learn from Joshua is that you have to have a mentor. You have to have that mentor, that leader, that role model that is where you want to be someday. So let me ask you three questions. Do you have someone, someone in your life that's ahead of you, that you're learning from as a man or a woman, as a husband or father, as a wife and a mother? Do you have someone in your life that is where you hope and want to be, someone that you are serving and in relationship with that you can watch and get counsel from? And if you do, are you accessing that incredible treasure trove of wisdom? Do you have someone in your career that's ahead of you that you're learning from, that is mentoring you and teaching you how to lead and be successful in whatever field you are in? And most importantly, do you have someone spiritually that is ahead of you, that you're learning from, that is mentoring you, and that you want to be like and is setting an example of where you want to be spiritually? And I'll just tell you this, if you don't have a name and a face attached to all three of those questions, and it could be the same name, it could be the same, it could be three different people. But if you don't have someone, then you're going to have a real hard time fulfilling the mission that God has for you. You're going to have a hard time getting to the next level as a man or a woman, husband or wife, parent of your children. You're going to have a hard time getting to that next level in your career without a mentor to help you. You're going to struggle spiritually without someone ahead of you showing you and inviting you to accompany them and walk and talk with Jesus as they walk and talk with Jesus. I'll just tell you this, God wants you to have mentors. He wants you to have people that are wiser and godlier than you to help show you the way to becoming great in God's eyes. And I will just tell you this, you can't do it without them. You can't do it without them. And so I have three things for you to do. If you're looking around your life and you're realizing, I don't really have anyone that's pouring into me right now. I don't really have a mentor in all the areas of my life that I need a mentor. Um, I've got three things for you to do. And the very first one is this, it's be humble. Be humble. One of the greatest generals that Israel has ever known, the one that led millions of people to the promised land, spent decades as an assistant, as a helper, as a servant. And so I'll just say this, trust me, you don't know it all. There are people smarter than you and better than you are. 
Be humble enough to seek out those great people and ask lots of questions. Be humble enough to ask someone to mentor you and ask someone if you can, if you can shadow them and serve them and apprentice with them. So be humble. Second thing is be prayerful. Ask God to send someone to be your Moses, to be your mentor, to be someone that you can learn from and lean into and go to for advice, someone that will pour into your life. God has great people that are already potentially in your life that he has put there to be that person for you that will pour into you that you can learn from and serve and serve alongside. And lastly, be teachable. When you do find that person that God has for you to pour into you and lead you, be a learner. Seek to understand and glean wisdom from the wise. I've coached dozens of sport teams over the, uh, the last 20 plus years, Division I college, high school, middle school, all the way down to my youngest daughter's 9 to 11-year-old volleyball team. And years ago, uh, my oldest son, who's like 18 now, but when he was eight, year, 8 years old, coached his Pop Warner team. And there's one thing that a coach can never pass up. And that is a teachable player. It's a teachable player. There's not one time in over 20 plus years of coaching that I have ever not stopped and answered and helped a player that asked me how to get better as an athlete. So if you want to grow and become like Joshua was, be humble, be, te be prayerful, and be teachable. And when God brings about and brings along that Moses-like person in your life, you and they will both be the beneficiary. And for you men and women um, out there who are a bit more wise and experienced, do you have a Joshua that you're pouring into? Do you have someone that you are passing on all the knowledge and wisdom and experiences that you've had? Are you mentoring anyone spiritually and teaching them how to read God's word and study it and live it out? And if you aren't, and you're looking around and there isn't anyone that you're pouring into, ask God to bring along somebody that you can just pour out everything that you have into because that's the kind of legacy that all of us want to leave, right? We want to impact the younger generations. Well, as we wrap up our first episode of Joshua, we learned that the rest of our episodes were only recorded and aired because of what happened in this episode. Joshua had Moses in his life. Joshua served and assisted Moses. Without Moses as his role model, mentor, and spiritual leader, we're not reading about Joshua. We don't read Joshua's story. We aren't impacted by his life. And so I want to pray with you. I want to pray, first of all, with those of you that are at the edge of starting your journey of faith with Jesus. Today is your day to step across the line of faith and invite God to be the Lord of your life. Today is your day to invite Jesus to become your ultimate mentor. So I want to pray with you, and then I want to pray for all of us that we would be open and proactive in finding great people to be mentored by. And for some of us, finding people, most of us, finding people to mentor. So would you pray with me? Would you bow your head and close your eyes as we pray? And if you're ready to give your life to Jesus today, I want you to just pray with me from the quietness of your own heart to God, and you can make my words your own. And say something like this, um, dear God, today is my day to step across the line of faith and become a follower of you. I believe that you love me and that you sent your son Jesus to die for my sins. I believe that he was raised three days later, defeating death. 
And so, God, I ask that you would please forgive me for my sins. And I invite you, Jesus, into my life to be my Lord and Savior. Teach me how to live my life for you. Bring along people to me that can mentor me and lead me spiritually. In your name, amen. And then I want to pray for the rest of us real quick, if you'll just continue in prayer with me. Um, God, we know that you have great plans for each one of us and that we can't become all that you want us to be without someone in front of us leading the way. And so God, I pray for those of us that are trying to do our life on our own, even as Christians, without somebody, a Moses-type person that's leading the way and mentoring and pouring into us. God, would you bring that person to us and would you help us to see them and reach out and grab onto the opportunity to learn? And Father, for those of us that are not pouring out and giving away what you've given to us to anybody right now, Lord, would you please bring people to us that are eager to learn, that are teachable, that we might be able to pour into potentially for decades and leave a legacy through them of what it means to live a godly life. Lord, bless us as a faith community. Bless our church. Bless our country. And lead us as we're leading others your holy name. Amen. Now, as we finish up with the day, I want to encourage you to just engage the music and the lyrics of the song that we're about to sing. And I just pray that God might just fill up your place right now, wherever you're at, in your home, in your car, watching on your phone. I, I'm just, I just want to pray during these times and, and uh, just hope that God's presence fills up wherever you're at and that during this next few moments, you experience some time with God. Peace be still, you are here.
Let faith rise up. 